This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. continues to be faithful even when I'm not. My presence here is a clear evidence of God's faithfulness. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Welcome to church. We thank God that ours is the privilege one more time to congregate for worship. I do believe that there's something very compelling about corporate worship. When we come together in this space to seek God together and to offer up our praises, someone says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we praise him, his very presence become more pronounced. And so welcome to every worshiper, those who are repeat offenders and those who are here for the first time. We know that God has blessings in store. As you've heard, today is our Connection Sabbath We've designated the first Sabbath of every every month as a time where we seek to connect as a community. It is our objective and desire and hope that every Sabbath, every time we meet, we'll have meaningful connections, connections that go beyond just the happy Sabbath, how are you doing, but it is our objective to ensure that we provide an avenue, the forum, the setting where we can have meaningful, meaningful connections. Just a bit of FYI, this past Wednesday, Sister Norman, myself, along with others, we met with our state attorney, Eric, as you know, Eric with Bold Justice is here with us. We met with our state attorney and, and a rep from the BSO, Broward Sheriff's Office, as we've been pushing, some of you know, we've been pushing for our folks to be giving adult civil citations versus an arrest record. And I'm happy to report, I'm excited to report that the meeting went well, that, that our state attorney and the BSO folks they essentially told us, Eric, that the things that we've been fighting for, not only have they agreed, but they're putting it into place. That right now, as we speak, they have someone right there. You know, BSO runs the largest jail in the county, and now they have someone right there at the jail who'll be, who'll be vetting and going through every person, ensuring that if the person qualifies for an adult civil citation, instead of receiving an arrest record, that that person will be released. And we thank God for that. As we continue to advocate for those who have no voice here in Broward County. And so when you you get the call, and Eric has been making the rounds. I know some of you have called me to ask me, Pastor, who is this guy calling me? And uh, I've, I've said to some of you, he's all right. He's more than all right. Stand up, Eric, so the folks can see you again. He's making the rounds as we try to build up our justice ministry here at Plantation. Also, we are very close to having our new associate pastor. We... We started a conversation, a few of us, with a prospect, and this coming Tuesday at our board meeting, 
we'll have a, a look-see of the person. We'll look over the person. Uh, Pastor Marsh will be facilitating the process. And all things being equal, hopefully, by God's will, we'll be able to introduce our new associate pastor next Sabbath. And, and I'm excited about the prospect of it because, A, he's someone who was born right here in South Florida, grew up in the Miami area, but also, B, he's someone who has a lot of experience, though he's a young man, has a lot of experience with life groups. And that's one of the things we've been trying, one of the ministries we've been trying to develop here. And so I'm excited about the prospect of, a, of him joining us here as part of the team. So this Tuesday, when the board meets, we'll have a look-see on this, this, this young man and see if that's where God is leading us as a church. As we continue now in worship with the study of the Word of God, let's turn our attention to Paul's epistle to the church at Colossae, Col Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The Word of God reads the New King James Version's rendition, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. This is the Word of God, and I believe it. Our subject, walk in wisdom, speak with grace. Walk in wisdom, speak with grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the clear evidences of your spirit in the service. And as we continue now with the study of your word, we pray that you will arrest every attention, remove every distraction. Speak to me and through me. In spite of me, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we look at our key verses for today, let us first appreciate that this letter of Paul was written from a prison in Rome to the church at Colossae. It's part of what we call the prison letters, the prison epistles. The book of Ephesians that we're studying currently in our Sabbath school lesson is one of those epistles, the prison epistles. He wrote this to a church that was not raised up by him. And there are those who argue that in this letter, Paul was concerned about issues of Christian identity, that he seemed keen to, for believers rather, to understand both the privileges they possess in the present and the powerful motivation offered by the hope of the second return of Jesus. Additionally, we find the apostle admonishing the saints in Colossae that their behavior should reflect their commitment to Jesus as Lord. And as with all of his epistles, all of his letters, Paul includes in this epistle salutations. He includes doctrinal discourses to combat arrows and affirm the gospel of Jesus. But he also included practical admonitions for daily Christian living. It's one thing to know Scripture. It's one thing to be able to explain Scripture. But, but it's, a, it's a different thing for Scripture to be applied or lived in our lives. You see, some of us are very good at, at intellectualizing life, but uh, all of us know that life is not lived in books. Life is lived right there on the streets, right there in our homes, right there in the grocery store. And so Paul not only gave a doctrinal discourse in his epistles, but he also provides practical admonitions for daily Christian living. And I believe that these verses 
demonstrates this. He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, it is instructive, neighbor, to note that, 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 that these verses are, are part of a theme that began in verse 2. That these verses, verses 5 and 6, are part of a theme that Paul began in verse 2. And so let us, let us turn to verse 2, onward to verse 4 of our chapter. Paul says in verse 2, continue earnestly. How? How? Earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in it with what? With thanksgiving. Paul says, I want you, saints, to continue to pray earnestly and ensure that your prayers are filled with thanksgiving. That your prayers are not just about a grocery list of things you want God to do. But that, but, but that your prayers would include thanking God for the things that he has done and is doing in your lives. He says, pray earnestly, be vigilant in thanksgiving, and watch verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a what? A door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest. As I ought to speak. Now, don't miss it, neighbor. Paul says, pray for us that God would open to us a door for the word. So that we can speak what he calls the mystery of Christ. For which I'm also in chains that may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, now when Paul talks about the mystery of Christ... He is describing the gospel. You see, neighbor, it is still a mystery that God became a man. God became one of us so that he could save all of us. That, that, that Christ, was, that God was in Christ manifesting himself to the world. That, that, that God would give of himself to save us. That is the mystery of the gospel. Note that Paul did not ask, neighbor, for the prison doors to be open. Paul did not ask the saints to pray for the prison doors to be open, but that the doors of ministry might be open. He prayed not for his own release from prison, not that the doors of the prison would be open, but that the doors of ministry might be open. You see, neighbor, it was more important to Paul that he was a faithful messenger of the gospel than a free man. I find it interesting that he would want God to help him do the very thing that had caused him to be incarcerated. Paul was asking God, won't, won't, you, won't you create opportunity for me to share the gospel, the same gospel that caused him to be in prison? It was clear, neighbor, that he had no intention of giving up his ministry or changing his message. What is also clear is that the apostle was more interested in the advancement of the gospel than his Comfort or self-interest. Let me come and sit right next to you so you can get it. You see, for Paul, the gospel being advanced was more important than him being freed from prison. And, and, and the problem with some believers, not here in plantation, praise God, is that they're more, they're more concerned about their own comfort than they are concerned about the gospel being preached. 
You see, I, I, I will share the word. I will get involved in ministry as long as it doesn't interrupt my schedule. Hello. As long as it doesn't shift me from where I live. You see, I want to do ministry on the cheap. I want to do ministry and still remain in my comfort zone. Oh, I don't mind us reaching the folks faster, but, but you got to clean them up first. At least let them smell good before they come into church. Hello? Because we're, sometimes we're more, we're, more, we're, more, we're, more, we're more concerned about our own comfort. We're more concerned about our self. What is in it for me? Now, 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 now let, let me put it, let me come closer to you. Now, not here, but, 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 but as at a church where, where, where the folks, some of the folks were losing their minds because, because some of the young people dare, dare to suggest that we have drums in the church. And, and, and Pastor, we don't do drums in the SDA church, they told me. That's not our speed. And I said to them, well, 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 you know, there's some things that, that the young people do that I don't like, but I don't have to like it as long as, as it connects them to Jesus. You see, I may not like the drums being in the church, but if it's going to take them playing drums for them to stay in church, I will deal with that inconvenience. You see, there's some of us, we are not willing to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake. Well, well Pastor, I have the, you know, there's some folks, praise God, not your plantation, they wouldn't even give up their seat. I've been coming to this church for 30 years, and this is where I always sit. Pastor, it gives me a good view. As a matter of fact, pardon my French, it's got my print in the seat. And so when someone gets there before them and is seated there, they have the temerity of saying, excuse me, you are in my seat. You don't understand, if I sit anywhere else in church, I'll be uncomfortable. Paul says, it's not about my convenience, it's not about my comfort. I am willing to be uncomfortable if the gospel is advanced. So now, so now watch this, verses 5 and 6 must be seen through the prism of evangelism, through the prism of Personal witness. You know, we talk about public evangelism and all that. You see, the fact is that evangelism is of a personal nature. Paul says in verse 5, notice, walk in what? Wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Notice, those who are outside. That is, those who are not believers. Those who are outside the body of Christ, he says that we must walk in wisdom towards them. Of course, when Paul talks about walking here, we know he's not talking about neighbor uh, moving from point A to point B. But he's talking about the way we live our lives, the way we conduct our lives daily. He's talking about our personal witnessing in the way we live. Watch this. Paul is saying... That you and I, we must live wisely as we navigate life among those who are not part of the body of Christ. That there must be nothing in our lives that would jeopardize the gospel or jeopardize our testimony for Jesus. He's saying as you navigate life. And I know there's some folks... They wouldn't mind if they live in an Adventist community and have a, an Adventist clubhouse, an Adventist pickleball court, 
Adventist Walmart. They wouldn't mind it. You see, God expects you to do life where people don't know him so that they can come to know you the way you live your, they can come to know him the way you live your life. You see, if you're always around Adventists, if you're always out around Christians, what will end up happening is you turn internally and you keep fighting with each other. Because there is nothing new to share or, or you get into stuff that, that, is, that, that is not biblical. But, but you need to understand that, that where you live is not just about God, God placing you in that zip code, but that God wants to use you for his glory. That, that, that where you work is not about the, the, the office and the corner. It's not about the cubicle. But God is wanting to use you for his glory. And we must live our lives wisely. There must be intentionality there. Folks must see clearly. That there is a connection, there's harmony between what we profess and what we demonstrate in our, through our lives. You see, the minute you make that declaration that you are a child of God, watch this, there'll be folks who are unbelievers who will be seeking every opportunity to test you. They will push your buttons. They will do things just to see how you would respond. And when you, when you respond in an unfavorable way, hey, hey, there goes Mr. Christian. There she goes. She always says, well, really? Now, he tells them further, notice in, in the text, he tells them further, not only should they walk wisely as they, as they navigate life among those who are not believers, but notice he says that, that they should redeem the time. Do you see that? He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming, redeeming the time. Now, what's interesting is that this expression of Paul is a term that he, 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 he used that was often used in the marketplace, in the marketplace. And this expression in the original simply means snapping up or looking for bargains. When he says redeeming the time, the, 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 the original Dane, the original Greek word that's there means somebody who is snapping up or looking for bargains. So, so when I was a boy, Kirk, I, I, one of the things, my mom died in 2015. One of the things I didn't like was when my mother took me to the market with her. I was off and she would say, well, you're off, you're coming with me to the market. I didn't like it because my mother would walk the length and the breadth of the market looking for bargains. She would not stop at the first vendor. She would go all over and she would have me falling behind her. Now, I did love those days, though, when she would plant me one place and, and she'd give me a nice, uh, uh, refreshing water coconut, Eric, and she'd tell me, sit right here and sip this while I hunt for bargains. And I don't know how she did it, but every time, it never failed, by the time I was done drinking that coconut water, she'd be ready to go. And she'd be talking about the bargains she got. Now, let me come and sit right next to you. It's kind of like, you know, when you go into that particular shoe store, and those of you who are savvy shoppers, what do you do? You move to the back where there is the clearance. And, and the clearance, they have these color codes which says red is 35% off and green is 70% off. And, and you get this nice pair of shoes and the original cost is 80 some bucks but you walk out the store with 15 bucks worth of shoes but that's not what you tell your friend how much you paid for it because you just got 
a bargain. You see, when Paul says redeeming the time, he's saying, watch this, you and I, as we navigate life among non-believers, we must look for the bargains or look for opportunity to speak into their lives. Just as how you go hunting for the bargain, he says that Christians must be looking for every opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be realizing as a church every opportunity to speak into someone's life. But watch this. While in verse 5, he says that we should walk in wisdom. That is, we should live carefully. In verse 6, he tells us that we need to communicate carefully. Verse 5, live carefully. Verse 6, communicate carefully. Verse 5, live carefully. Verse 6, communicate carefully. Notice what he says in verse 6. He says, let your speech always be with what? With grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, remember I told you that based on verse 2 and onward, Paul was speaking in the context of how we should relate in our conversation to unbelievers, those who are outside in our efforts to win them to Jesus. However, neighbor, this is also applicable to our everyday conversations with each other. He says that our speech must always be with grace, that it must always be, watch this, seasoned with salt. And as I looked closer at the grammatical construction of the original Greek, Catch the mic. I noticed that it was rendered in what we call the perfect passive, meaning that what Paul was saying is it must have in being seasoned. In other words, he's saying that the food before it reaches the plate must be seasoned so that it is palatable when it's served. Let me put it right where you can touch it. I remember years ago I was in DC and I met this guy, he was a chef. Very peculiar fella. And all due respect to any chefs in the area, but I find that chefs are very peculiar. They have a way of doing things and can be very fastidious about it too. You know, he arranged things a certain way. And, 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 and the worst thing you could do to him, Kirk, is after he's prepared a meal to add anything to it. <laughs> you, you're, you're adding hot sauce? He's offended. It's perfect. No sauce, no, no, I did everything. It is just right. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, before we serve up the speech, we must ensure that it's seasoned properly so that when it is served, it is palatable. Do you get it? But follow me carefully. You see, the salt is not the wisdom nor the graciousness how to use it. Rather, it is the wholesomeness of what we say. Listen to this. It's not just about what we say, but also about how we say what we say. Let me say it again. It is not just about what we say, but it's also about how we say what we say. And one of the challenges is I find that all of a sudden more and more people are called Frank. You know, they like to say, let me be Frank before they lay something on you. And, and usually they're, they're using that as an excuse. To say, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Doesn't matter how you take it. And you wonder, is it for my benefit or yours? Is it just that you want to vent or is it that you want to really help me? Is it that you want to show how, how, how erudite you are as it relates to understanding scripture? You see, it's not just about what we say, but how we say 
what we say. And though it not always may, may be about grace, it must always be said with grace. You see, there are times when we've got to, even to friends, we've got to say some hard things. And in those moments, we've got to ensure that those hard things are said in a graceful way. You know, when I counsel premarital uh, couples for, for, for marriage and we get into managing conflict because we assume that as part of life, there will be conflict. Couples will have conflict. And the research shows that it's, it's not how, how many times a couple is in, is in conflict. is how they respond to conflict that matters. And, and I usually will say to them, now, 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 when you've got to communicate something that is hard and that is co controversial, that, that, that you've got to ensure that you choose the right time. So don't be waiting in a driveway for him to show up to say, I've been waiting for you to come from work for us to talk about this. Not the right time. Don't be poking her in the side while she's sleeping. Hey, wake up. We got to talk. Not the right time. <laughs> because it's not just about what we say, but is how we say what we say. And there are those who believe that simply spewing the gospel to somebody anyhow is fine. It's not. Paul says that it must be done always with grace. You see, by using wisdom and clothing it in graciousness and giving it a wholesome taste, we'll soon get to know just how to answer, he says, every person with whom we get into a discussion. And that we'll look for opportunities to speak into their lives. And so for the believer, foolish remarks and ungracious speech and cutting retorts and, and all of that is not Helpful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must ensure that our speech is seasoned with salt, properly seasoned. He says in Ephesians 4:29 that no corrupt communication should come out of our mouth. Our speech must be pure, and that our speech must minister grace unto the hearers. Your speech must be seasoned with salt, but your speech must not be salty. Your speech must be seasoned with salt, but your speech must not be salty. There must be the right balance there. It's not enough, therefore, According to Paul in the verse, to simply walk wisely and carefully before unbelievers, but we must talk with them and share the gospel with them, but we must take care that our speech is controlled by grace so that it points to Christ and that it glorifies the Lord. It means that before we share the gospel with folks, We've got to ensure that there is grace in our hearts because it's out of the heart that the abundance of the lips will speak. The point here that Paul is making in concluding, he's saying, as followers of Jesus, our walk and our talk must be in harmony with each other. That our walk and our talk must reflect wisdom and grace. Paul is saying when character and conduct and conversation are all working together, it makes for a very powerful witness for the kingdom of God. And if you forget everything that Pastor Rose says, I want you to note this. And when you watch the tape, I want you to re rewind it, and I want you to note this. Just do me one favor. Just ensure that you give me the credit 
it's originally mine. Listen to this. Especially Adventists, listen to this. Our best witness is not in our knowledge of doctrinal propositions or memorized Bible passages or a well-formulated, flawless presentation of the plan of redemption. Our best witness is the honest sharing of what Christ has done and is doing in our lives. There's some folks who believe that because they can explain the 2300-day prophecy, because they can reveal and know everything there is to know about Scripture, there was even one guy I met years ago that he bragged in the fact that he knew so much Bible trivia. You know, like the center of the Bible and how many times this expression is used in the King James. There are those who believe that, 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 that because they have a mastery of doctrinal discourses that they can share the gospel of Christ Anyhow and anyway. And too often, our discourses are nothing more than a distasteful dish, one that nauseates those to whom we present it. That too many times, let's be honest, Adventists, we scare people with those beasts of revelation. Too many times, our doctrinal arrogance is a turnoff. The greatest witness that you and I can ever give is to say, once I was lost, <laughs> but now I'm found. Once I was blind, but now I can see what God has done in my life. He can do for you. I may not know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but I know the God of the Bible. I may not be able to explain to you the signs of salvation, but one thing I know is that I met Jesus. And when I met him, he turned my life around. Today, I want to ask God to help me to continue to walk in wisdom and to speak with grace, to share the truth that God has blessed me to understand, to share it with grace, to share it with a spirit of love, to ask him every day to open and give me an opportunity to share. Just before the praise team returns to sing this, this final song, I... I'm reminded of years, a few years ago, I had prayed this prayer, started praying this prayer, Lord, open up and give me an opportunity to speak into someone's life today. Prayed the prayer, and I'd gone to the car wash, the do-it-yourself car wash. I was not expecting that that would be the place that God would open for me to share. A young man pulled up beside me beside my car in the other bay, and he was washing, and I was washing. And then, as guys often do, we started talking about cars and cars. And then he asked me, Elder Nick, what is it that you do? And, and I'm very careful. Sometimes I respond to that because sometimes you tell folks you're a pastor, and they say, okay, bye. But <laughs> right. I told him I was a pastor, and he said, really, he said, you know, I lost my best friend a few weeks ago. And it's been hard. He said, would you pray with me? Wow. Wow. Would you pray with me? And right there in that bay, suds and water all around, we paused. And I prayed for him because God had opened up a door for me to speak into his life.
My objective was not to make him an Athenist. My objective was to speak in his life. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, wanna, I want God to continue to use me to speak into someone's life. Because God is so great. He's awesome. And you and I who have been privy to, we've experienced His greatness. We must not, we cannot keep it to ourselves. We've got to share it as God gives us opportunity. The praise team is returning. They'll come and sing and we'll have our pray. We'll transition right into our time together in our life groups. invite us all to stand as we affirm the message with the song I need you to survive the song is very simple if you don't know it just repeat after me very simple words the song says I need Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you are important to me. I need you to survive. Let's do that all over again. Come on, someone say, come on, someone say, say, I need you. I need you. You need me. You need me. We're all apart. We're all affirm this next part. Come on, someone say, I pray, say, I pray for you. You pray for me. Come on, say, I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to Come on, sing that again. I pray for you. Pray for me. Pray Come on, someone. Me. I love you. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I Come on, let's take it up. Come on, say, oh, I pray. I pray. Pray for me. 
Come on, it is His will. Say, it is His will that every need be supplied. You are Come on, someone say, I need you too. I need you too. that today I believe that God has positioned us in this time and space as we journey together and it has been our commitment as a leadership to provide the space in the forum so that we can have meaningful connections because I know that every one of you know that life is lived beyond the church walls. It's all good and well to praise God in the, in the presence of the saints. But life is not lived in the church. It's lived beyond the walls. And that's the one of the reasons behind our life groups to say that you don't have to do life alone that you have fellow sojourners connect with you understanding that we're moving towards the same goal understanding that we have our imperfections we have room for growth we're going to grow together. We're going to grow together. And that's what we're trying to create here. Trying to create here. And so right after the service, we, we have a desk. Do we have a, we have a desk? We, we want you to, to see and see where God is calling you to, to journey together. And, and I want you to know that, that, that when you get into these life groups, it, it will be a, a no-judgmental zone. Now, now, I must warn you that, that if you're perfect, it's not for you. If you're perfect, it's not for you. If you've got life all figured out, it's not for, it's not for gurus. It's for those who are still thriving for the master. We want to ensure that there's a space where you can go and share your burdens and be heard and not criticized. Rejoice when you rejoice and mourn when you mourn. I thank God for that. How about you? But I want you to leave with this commitment in what we, we sang earlier. That I won't harm you with words from my mouth. That when I speak with you, even in those difficult areas, that I will always ensure that it is seasoned with salt. Even when I'm seeking to, to correct you, even when I'm upset with you, that I'll do it with grace. Oh, uh, uh, if we ever start reading people out of church for the damage they do with their lips mm, I want God to use my speech to speak life into someone's life this week how about you perhaps you're here you've been thinking about that commitment to Jesus we can help you we can we can aid you in that don't know where you are on your Christian walk. But you want, you want to say, Pastor, remember me in this prayer. Remember me in this prayer. Just leave your seat and let's pray together. Just leave your seat. I want to pray with you and for you. Pray with you and for you. God has been calling you back to Him or God has been speaking into your life. He's been saying, won't you surrender to me? Won't you give me your heart so I can give you my Father's kingdom? God bless you. Anybody else? I want to pray with you and for you. When you give me your heart, I can give you my Father's kingdom. 
those online, you can go ahead and click next steps. God bless you. No pressure as the Spirit speaks. We have Alex who will be helping you with that as we help you to grow in Christ and get to that decision in here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word today and we confess that it really did challenge some of us. It did challenge some of our spiritual arrogance. It did challenge our salty tongue. Oh Lord, I pray that you will help us to walk in wisdom as we navigate life particularly with unbelievers that will do so in a way that will bring glory and honor to you. That our speech will not harm, but it will help. That our speech will heal. This is our prayer. We pray for those who have come forward and those who are still there aching in their hearts that you'll speak to them through the ministry of your Holy Spirit so that they can know the joy of full surrender. We praise you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We're going to sing you out. And please remember, we have a connection desk there. You can go and see the group that you think God is calling you to be part of. No pressure, but sign up. God bless you. Uh, there are those of us who will be meeting in the fellowship hall. Uh, you can join us there right after we dismiss here. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you'd like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.